This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanc St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Just to give a little background, normally give backgrounds to poems, but uh, or backstories to poems. But the pastor asked me because we were going to have uh, guests here that are working with children or young girls in the sex trafficking. So I do poems. The last six years, I've been doing um, uh, working in a prison in Los Angeles, working with ladies that you know, facing drug addiction and crimes and abuse and, you know, different things. And I would utilize that time to teach them and to use poetry as a means to touch them and enlighten them and let them know that they have another way. When the pastor asked me, did I have anything that could be along the lines of the sex trafficking? I actually wrote this since that day. So, uh, it's a very um, hard life to have to deal with. And when I write poems to the ladies, they were either poems from me to them, as if they themselves wrote it, or from God to them. So this poem that I wrote is basically as if I had met someone as a police officer in jail that I was responsible for, and using one of my class sessions to enlighten them or help them or encourage them. The title of this poem is called Fee. I've been arrested for having sex. I may not have finished school, but even I know that's a mess. I never wanted to be in this predicament. Why do I continue to be punished for being illegitimate? I had no control over my birth. And now it seems I have no control over my worth. Abusive family life made me run away from home. So I was in the streets all alone. I got suckered in by lies and deceit. How could I ever win when my first breath was in defeat? Strangers took me in and promised me the world. Even lies sound real when you're a little girl. They forced me, they force fed me drugs and alcohol and told me I was going on a date to numb me from the reality of being constantly raped. This went on for months and months until I went to jail. I can't say I was surprised when no one paid my bail. I knew I would get beat for getting put in jail or getting put behind bars. But after a few weeks, I started to heal from the anal and vaginal scars. My emotional scars, I thought, were beyond repair. But I met this God-fearing cop when I was in here. She didn't preach, but she showed me something I'd never seen, that not all human beings were mean. She wasn't a pushover. She was firm in everything she did. But you could feel her genuine concern in what she said. She asked me if I had a book or Bible to read in my cell. 
She wasn't the kind of idle, for idle conversation you could tell. I told her I never had a whole lot of time to read. She said, as your body heals, your spirit also needs to feed. I watched how she treated us and addressed us as women and ladies. Not the jailhouse terms. I thought this was crazy. At the end of the day, she let us come together and pray as a group. You can imagine how this also threw me for a loop. The women in here say this cop tells us she loves us and prays for us all the time. And she wants us to stop or to step into God's plan for us and stop committing crimes. I told this cop the crime I committed was forced upon me. I don't see how reading the Bible can set me free. She said, any other book, I would say you're right. But the Bible is a living, breathing word of God, and this is not his first fight. Kneel before him and accept his invitation, and he will free you from the bondage and open the doors of salvation. As she left, she gave me my first Bible and said, Christ is not the one to doubt. So I began to read as many verses as I could before they said, lights out. My body was incarcerated, but my spirit got convicted in such a way that I knew I was a new creature in Christ starting that day. I accepted Jesus Christ into my broken heart, and I knew I had been given a brand new start. I haven't looked back on my past life and who I used to be. I find comfort in the word of God, and my body will never again be sold as a fee. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you. Just say, you can actually... Well, I know you say, what name do you come under on Amazon? So if you, you can. Yeah, I have uh, one book published right now. It's called Hardening of the Heart. Those are more romantic poems of broken heart in a different way. But I am planning to. I have about 40, 50 poems that I've written dedicated to the women that I've worked with in the prison. So hopefully in the future I'll be publishing those. But right now this on the Amazon. Eunice Walker, E-U-N-I-C-E. Okay, thanks. Okay. Okay, Nicole. And then she's going to introduce everything for now. Thank you. Thank you, it's fantastic. Okay, well, it's um, a great delight and privilege to have uh, David and Esther with us, all the way from Cambodia, which is lovely. And um, I know uh, many of you who have joined us over the last couple of years may not have met David and Esther, um, but they are missionaries out in Cambodia, and uh, they're going to be sharing with us this morning. And it's a great privilege as well um, that we have... Emily, who is going to be joining them for six months, and uh, it's Emily's last Sunday with us today, which we're very sad about, but obviously really excited about all that's ahead um, for Em as well. Uh, So it's great to have you guys with us. This is an amazing couple, and um, when we as a team, a few of us went out um, to Cambodia, well, a couple of years ago now, um, they just just loved upon us so much, made us so um, welcome and, and just built us up. And we had an amazing time there, so much so that um, it catapulted Amanda, who's, who's off in Belize, and now and Emily. And, you know, actually, that's not right. You've, t- you've stolen Emily from us. Hang on a minute. Um, so, no, it, it's great. And we had such fantastic time in Cambodia. And, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing, um, you know, from you guys this morning. But also tonight we have a service at 6 p.m., 
and um, it will be another opportunity to just hear about the work in Cambodia um, and uh, about some of the stuff that's going on there. It's a joint service, so we've invited um, Eldad and Varzon along as well, and so we'll just have some tea and coffee, but there'll be another opportunity to hear from, from David and Esther tonight. Also, just while I'm here, um, just to say that there's no prayer meeting this week on Friday, but everything else is normal. Okay, I'm going to invite Emily up, actually. So Em's going to come, and she's going to share a little bit about um, kind of what led her to this place of, of, you know, going away and some of the stuff that she's going to be doing in Cambodia. Thank you. Hi. So um, just forgive me a little bit because I'm really tired. I'm still really jet-lagged after being in America all week. So it's kind of early morning up back there. So as Nicole said, we were back in, we were in Cambodia two years ago. And I, we were only there for about a week, ten days. But it was an experience that I'd come back and I went to Switzerland to visit family a few weeks afterwards. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night, sit up and be like, I really, really miss Cambodia. So coming back to Guernsey, I kind of wondered if there was anything else that I could get involved with. I spoke to Paul Hudson, who is the director of Eden Missions, and he suggested going to the Philippines. So that's where I went last year. And that was with a group of people that I didn't know. And I'm, I've always really classified myself as an introvert and really shy and really quiet. And I'm just kind of just like, oh, is this something that I can do? Because... You know, I'm, I, I like being invisible. I don't like actually stepping out of my comfort zone. So I kind of went, and while I was out there, well, between Cambodia and the Philippines, I was thinking of doing maybe the World Race, which is an 11-month-long mission trip in 11 different countries. Um, so I was planning to do that. I'd set up, like, a little budget plan and everything. So while I was in the Philippines, like, a lot of people actually started suggesting to me why not stay in one place for a longer period of time. And I was really stubborn, and I was just like, no, but I want to do the world race. Um, but, you know, God's plans are, you know, much bigger than what I have planned, you know. There's a saying that says, if you want to make God laugh, then make plans. Uh, so I came back from the Philippines, and actually on the final day, um, Julie Cook, who was an administrator in, for ELA missions, she actually said to me, what we think is our weakness can actually be our greatest strength. And that actually spoke a lot of freedom into my life because I've always felt that being an introvert and being shy and being quiet is a massive weakness and would really hold me back. But she actually, her saying that kind of really catapulted me into thinking and believing that actually I can do what I think I can't do. So I came back from the Philippines and then kind of met up with Nicole a few weeks afterwards. And we were just like chatting about the Philippines and everything and my future plans and the world race and... She was just kind of like, so would you jump off the balcony if I threw out another option for you? And just kind of mentioned going back to Cambodia for six months. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay. And a week later, I think Paul Hudson came to Guernsey and we had coffee. And he actually said to me, would you actually consider going out and teaching English, heading up an English teaching project in Cambodia for six months? And I go home and I tell my mum and she's just kind of like, what are you doing? Just say yes already. Why are you even thinking about it? If you don't do it, I'll go. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, it suddenly came. I had, a ma- I had a choice in front of me that not only was I about to choose whether to go to Cambodia, but I had a choice of whether to stay in my comfort zone or actually step out in faith into what God was calling me to do. And 
it was something that I've been wanting to do for so long and then being faced with the actual choice of going out and doing what I've always wanted to do it was really overwhelming because all of a sudden my head was just like can I actually do this like can I actually teach English can I live in a different country for six months and experience a whole new culture and live with people that aren't my family because I'm not the easiest person to live with <laughs> um so <laughs> good luck <laughs> so like between the time of actually being offered this opportunity and actually saying yes it was <laughs> it was the um 19th of September that I skyped Dave Nestor and actually afterwards decided that it was the right thing for me to do and you know, this whole thing kind of like kicked off in August, so it took me a long time to actually be like, okay, this is this is it. Um, but there were a few Bible verses that really followed me around during this time that really confirmed everything. So after meeting with Nicole, she texted me the, the verse, um, Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, which is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And literally the day after that, that was in your blog, and then a couple months later, Lisa posted some Swiss chocolate and a card in my letterbox, and it had, it had the same verse in there. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then there's Isaiah 61, which really kind of, you know, it was one of the first verses that really kind of followed me when um, I spoke with them, John and Angie, and they prayed for me. And it was right before the prayer meeting, and um, Isaiah 61 was mentioned a lot and prayed over that and then Angie came up to me afterwards and was like before when we prayed for you that was really heavily on my heart and then that Sunday the preach was on the sermon was on Isaiah 61 so it just kind of really hit home how crippling fear is especially when facing like this great adventure that God has prepared the way for and like it made me think what would we all do if we weren't afraid because we would be unstoppable in fulfilling our purposes and destinies and chasing our dreams if fear wasn't holding us back And so it just really kind of made me think and step back for a while and be like, actually, this is what I've always wanted to do. Since I was 11 years old and mum took me to the Philippines for the first time and exposing me to a different culture and different way of life and seeing how other people live. And it kind of ruined me for the rest of my life. (laughs) But like over the past few weeks, even so, like all the sermons and all the home group features, it's all been about fear and identity. And which has been really kind of really timely, really spoke to me in every single sermon. And it really culminated in last week we went to Hillsong, New York, and the preach was, um, it was kind of like the grand finale culmination of everything. So I was just kind of sat there in tears like, oh, okay, I can't really be afraid because everyone's telling me not to. But then while we were in New York, we watched a musical called Finding Neverland, which if you haven't seen it, there is a film it's about J.M. Barry, and he's the creator of Peter Pan, which I'm sure everybody has heard of. And it just kind of, I was sat there, and I was just thinking, if he had listened to everybody else, and if he had been too afraid and thought that he wasn't good enough, we wouldn't have had Peter Pan. You know, this time's classic that everybody knows and loves. And there's a song with four boys that inspired, inspired the show, and they were thinking that they could be anything that they want to be. And there's such childlike faith and belief that's captured and the deeper meaning of not wanting to grow up and battle with fears and doubts and losing that innate belief that anything is possible. Um, that kind of really hit home to me because, 
you know, as children, we do have dreams, and we watched a sermon the other week in home group, and there was really saying that childlike faith is something really, really powerful because you do believe that you can be anything that you want to be until you grow up and then think, wait, maybe I'm that, maybe I can't do that. So that kind of, ever since October, August last year, leading up to this moment, it's all been about, you know, fears and overcoming and really finding your identity. And, you know, there's this one final verse, um, Joshua 1.9, which says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's one of my favourite verses. And one of my friends moved away to South Africa like a couple of years ago. And she was really afraid and she didn't want to go. So that was one of the verses that really spoke to me to share with her. And she shared it with me a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so I'll be going out to Cambodia for six months. <laughs> and it's really crazy because ever since October, like August last year, it's always felt like such a long time away. And now it's like, oh, I'm actually going on Wednesday now. <laughs> okay. So I feel like I'm, you know, all of the, all of these preachers and all of everything that's been like shared with me over the past year is just, okay, this has actually prepared me to go. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm really thankful to everyone who's given their time and their money and just encouragement and little gifts, like the chocolate and the card that really spoke, like it was just a little, little thing, but it spoke a lot to me. And Thank you for the coffee morning, for organising all of that. Like, you know me too well. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows I love coffee. And so for that, that, that was incredible. And just everyone who's really been alongside me along the way and will continue to be. I'm so, so lucky to call Delancey my home church and my family here. And I'm actually really going to miss you, Lloyd. <laughs> so I'm going to try not to cry, but yes, I'll be going out to Cambodia teach English and anything else that you guys have planned (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I'll be there for six months and then I'll be back in January so yeah thank you guys so much um we're going to miss you too, uh, a lot, um, but I'm sure we can set up a Skype thing and, and Skype you as well, anyway. Um, obviously, we all agree that Emily is a, a vital asset to this church and a real blessing and an inspiration to us, and just hearing your story is amazing. Um, I think you've inspired all of us already, and you've not even gone yet, um, which is great. I'm going to invite the leadership um, to come up now, and we're going to pray for you and just sort of commission Emily as she um, embarks on this uh, adventure. I was wondering if we could all stand, actually, um, and, and just really pray for Emily as she, uh, as she heads off. Father, we do thank you for Emily. We thank you, Lord, that you've really spoken deep into her heart and life. And, Lord, you've led and guided her in a definite way. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you, we know that you're going to go in front of her that you're going to go before her. And Lord, we pray your blessing on her life. Lord, we pray your anointing on her life. We pray, Lord, you you will keep her safe and sound during this time. We pray, Lord, that she will be an asset to um, Dave and Esther Allen there as they work there in Cambodia. And Lord, that you will use her in a powerful way. We pray, Lord, that you'll help her as she teaches English. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will guide her in everything she has to do. 
Lord, we think of the cultural change. We think of the climatic change. We think of so many other changes, Lord, for her. We pray, Lord, that you'll give her that strength and that ability to, to overcome all those things which are so different to the way that we've been brought up. Lord, we pray that you will guide and that you will lead. And Lord, we ask, Lord, your, again, your anointing on her as she goes through this next six months. Lord, we pray your blessing on her. Amen. We will have another opportunity um, this evening to pray for David, Esther and Emily um, all together. Thanks, Emily. That's fantastic. Um, I'm going to hand over to David in a moment to share, but before I do that, we're just going to watch a little, um, little short video clip. Thank you. Our typical day is we start off with devotions and prayer time. Just praying about different things that we're going through or if we're sick. Then we make cards, make crafts, make key rings. I've always been interested in craft making and cards, scrapbooking. And also passionate about helping those that have been trafficked, um, have been vulnerable, um, been exploited in, in many of the ways here in Cambodia. Working with organisations that have already done the rescue and have um, girls have been put through rehabilitation programme, um, but then for the next step of reintegrating back into the community and teaching skills that will help them find permanent jobs, um, have a better lifestyle, have uh, a purpose for a living. I've always believed that craft making is a good therapy and um, just to be doing something with your hands that you're then seeing the end result um, and you can take pride in what you've made and it's such a joy to see girls that have come through horrendous situations that are using gifts that God has given them and that when they finish a card or when they finish a decoration they're so happy and then when it's packaged up and it's sent to the UK or um, other parts of the world and we get messages from people saying how much they love what they've received it just brings so much joy into the girls and they're just so happy. everybody. Um, it's a real honour to be here. Um, I want to thank John and Angie for, for having us, for, for the blessing just to be um, brought back to this wonderful island. We love Guernsey. We were flying in yesterday and Esther turned to me and says, 
We're coming into one of my favorite places in the world. So we, 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 I want to say um, also a, a thank you to, to Richard and Annie for their hospitality while we're here. Um, and, and also um, to, to uh, Emily's family who are, are giving us Emily for six months. What a gift. What a gift. Um, when the team was out with us um, two years ago, uh, they all made a big impression in our, in our lives um, and in the people of Cambodia's lives. Um, but Esther uh, very much loves everybody that comes to be part of what we're doing. But there's very, very, very rarely that she will say to me, I need that person to come back. And I remember, and I'm sure the guys will remember, when we said, we said goodbye, in the, um, Esther said goodbye in the hotel, because I don't think you came to the airport, because it was too early in the morning. And um, I remember watching her from a distance cling to Emily. And I knew at that point, it's just one of those moments where I knew that it wasn't going to be the end of the journey for, for, for Emily in Cambodia or with us. And Esther has hunted her down for two years. She's prayed at home. Emily has no idea the prayers that went up in our house for Emily to, to not fall in love with the Philippines. When Esther heard that Emily was going to the Philippines, she was going, oh my word. And then she contacted Lynette Orange in the Philippines and said to her, you're not getting her. So enjoy her for the few weeks she's there, but she's not staying because I want her back here in Cambodia. So the fact that we have reached this point and that on Wednesday we're going to get on a plane and fly back to Cambodia with Emily with us is extremely exciting. I also am I'm pleased to hear that um, Emily is introverted because although I come across extremely extroverted, I'm not. I like to, whenever we go into the house and close the door, I like to just be on my own at times and, I, and, I, and I'm not as loud and as crazy as everybody thinks. Um, I can be, but not all the time. So I'm really excited that, that Emily's like that and it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and she will also not be hard to live with because if she can put up with me, she'll be okay. So we'll, so we'll work it out between us. We're really excited and thank you as a church for, for getting behind Emily, but not only that, by doing that, you're getting behind Cambodia as well. And we really do feel, um, when we came here the last time, that we, we just fit, fitted in straight away, and it was like we were family. So thank you for that, and we thank you that, that um, Phnom Penh Elam and Delancey Elam are going to work together in this way um, going forward, and we're so excited to see what's going to happen over the next six months. We promise we will look after her. We promise everybody in the church that, not just her family. This morning, um, Esther tonight will be talking a lot about Be Free. Um, because we're having um, a second service, we, wanted, we decided that we were going to do a full presentation tonight. Now, I'm sorry if there's anybody here that can't come tonight, but please come tonight if you can. I'm a big football fan. I love sports. So I know there's a big match on tonight, but... Um, Neither Northern Ireland or Guernsey are playing, so there's a good chance, there's a good chance, and Cambodia as well, so there's a good chance that, um, although you'll want to see the football, I promise you with all my heart, we will be finished before the football tonight. That's my promise to you. This morning, I promise you that we'll be finished around about three. So, but, but, but tonight, I promise you, you'll be out before the football. And also this afternoon, actually, we'll finish for two so you can see the tennis this afternoon. Don't want to mess up anybody's 
sporting life today, okay? Um, and, 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 and all that. Um, can we just pray before I start? Um, thank you. Lord, I just pray this morning that you just really speak to each of our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, just move right now. Open our hearts and just teach us this morning. Teach me this morning. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to, to share about what's happening in Cambodia. And, and, and also, I just wanna, I want to give you the opportunity to challenge us all. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to start this morning. I'm going to talk about the church this morning and tell you some things that are happening, have been happening recently in the church. Um, but I also wanted just to, to, to maybe challenge you with something God has really challenged me with over the last number of weeks. Um, but I want to start off by reading, first of all. Now, you probably don't need to turn this up. Most of you will know it. But if you want to, that's okay. It's Matthew chapter 28, six, verses 16 to 20. It's the Great Commission. Most of you will know this. Um, I'm going to talk a bit slower because I forgot that when we're in the UK, I talk quicker than I do in Cambodia, so I'm, I'm going to slow down a bit. Um, but anyway, it says in the Bible, um, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I'm just going to stop for a second. I think, you know, I read this this morning, and this just stood out to me again. That, but some doubted. Now, this is after, obviously this is after Jesus went to the cross, he, and then he rose again. He had been with the disciples, and still some of his disciples doubted. And that really hit me this morning. You know, it doesn't, this doesn't give us excuses as Christians, this little thing, but it gives us hope. It gives us hope that not all of us know everything just yet, and that we're all still learning about Jesus. Um, but I, and, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think I said the last time we were here, and I want to just emphasize again, Esther and I are just two normal people that, that, that felt that God was asking us to go to Cambodia, and, and we said we would go. So anything that we talk about today or tonight is because of God. It's a move of God. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. And we're just very fortunate to be the people that God asked to go and be part of it. We, we love our lives. We wouldn't swap our lives with anybody. We love doing what we do, even though the stark reality of what Esther's doing day and daily with the girls that she works with is really, really difficult. It's heartbreaking. But even though we face those types of things in a, on a daily, a daily um, thing, it comes along every single day to us. The, the reality of it is, is, is that we love serving God with all that we have and being able to, to do that. But recently, round about the end of February, um, I had came to a point, I came home one day, um, it was a Tuesday, I, I was doing something and I was out and I got into the car about 11 o'clock and I just hit, hit a wall. I couldn't 
do anything more. We'd had so many things happening. I'd been rushing about being involved in this and that and different situations. And I hit this wall and I lifted the phone. I rang Esther and I just said to Esther, I can't hardly even breathe. I just can't take any more. And Esther says to me, get home. You're, not, you're taking some time off. So I rang the, 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 the elders and I says, I, I need a few days off. I can't take any more. So I'm going to take the next three days off. And for the, the Wednesday and the Thursday, I sat in the house and I just felt so, so useless. I felt like there was nothing left to give. The tank was as empty as it possibly could be. And Esther was extremely worried about me. Um, and, and I just didn't know what to do or what to say. And on the Friday, we had started as an eldership to, to meet on a Friday and spend eight hours together in the same room fasting together, reading the Bible and praying. And this had been going okay for us. I was a bit worried at the start, thinking about just sitting, looking at these three or four people for eight hours. But but it worked out okay, and we got on okay with it. And it really had started to bless us as a leadership team. But this was meant to be our third one of these on the Friday, and I just couldn't go. And I rang them and said, look, I can't come. I just can't come. I can't face it. Just please pray for me. And I went up into my study, and I lay down in the little settee, and I started to cry, and I just cried out to God. And God really spoke to me that morning, and, and I had a, a life-changing encounter with God that, that morning. And, and, and first of all, God said to me, which was, it was probably pretty obvious, but I had been putting so much work into doing God's work that I'd forgot about my relationship with God. I hadn't stopped communicating with God. I hadn't stopped spending time with God, but I had stopped spending good quality time with him. Um, it was it was very much high by and go and do the next thing. I knew that it, we were seeing God's blessing in the work. There was no doubt about that. God was still in the work, but I had stopped giving God my time. And that was something that, 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 that really God pointed out to me. But then there was something happened within me, and I know that probably... I'm the only person in the church here right now that didn't understand this properly. But I'm quite willing to be honest with you and tell you that after 20 years of being a Christian, four and a half years, nearly five years of being a missionary at this stage, that God spoke to me and opened my eyes to who the Holy Spirit really was. Now, I'd been Pentecostal for 20 years. I had stood in church and waved my arms about and sang like the rest of the people. I speak in tongues. I've been baptized in the Spirit. But until the, the end of February this year, <clears throat> I hadn't actually really, really grasped that the Trinity isn't God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but actually it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is equal to God the Father and equal to God the Son. And I hadn't got this into my head because when you have that in your head, and Emily talked about fear and she talked about different things, and it's funny because the word that really I'm going to speak on this morning is bold and boldness. And, and I hadn't really grasped that the Holy Spirit is equal to Jesus and equal to God the Father. 
So, for example, and I spoke to the church about this once, once this had really sank in. Um, and it just, it, it's changed everything. My whole relationship with the Holy Spirit has just changed completely. And I'll and, and tell you, I don't know how I went through 20 years of being a Christian without totally grasping this. But um, when I spoke to the elders about this and then spoke to the church about this, I, I, I said to them, you know, many of them, and I'm sure some of you as well, struggle at times with telling your family or your friends or the people you work with about Jesus. And I would have been the same, and I was the same before we went on the mission field. It's a lot easier to tell people about God when you're thousands of miles away from your family and you're telling strangers about Jesus. It's not so easy to tell your family. And Esther and I have unsaved people in our family, and we're across the world and we're telling people about God, but we still have people in our family that aren't saved. Please don't think that just because we're missionaries that everybody in our families are Christians. They're not. But what really hit me, it was nearly like a vision of that every time I go to speak to somebody in my family or try to say something or invite somebody to something, this fear comes in. You know, what if they reject me? What if they, what if they laugh at me? What if they say this or whatever? I don't grasp the fact that the Holy Spirit's with me, that the Holy Spirit will enable me to do it and will, will, will help me. And And it was just like, when I realized it clicked with me about that the Holy Spirit was the same with, as, as Jesus, I thought, well, okay, say, for example, today I said to you, come tonight, go home and tell your friends and your family about, about tonight. Tell them to come out and hear what we're going to say. Bring your, 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 your unsaved people with you. We want to tell them about Jesus. Most of you, because I'm guessing most of you will be like, sort of like me, most of you will leave today, some of you with good intentions, but actually when you get home, you'll get busy and you won't do it. Or, or maybe you won't even go home and feel that because you'll be too nervous or you've already been rejected many, many times. But let's say, and please don't shoot me for the saying this, let's say the door burst open right now and Jesus was standing there and Jesus said to someone, anyone, Come with me and let's go and invite your family to church tonight. There's not one of us wouldn't jump up and run with Jesus and go in with a confidence to speak to our family and our friends because we have Jesus with us. I mean, what is there to fear? We've got Jesus with us. I mean, seriously, we have Jesus with us. I would fear nothing. I would even try to walk on water, to be honest with you, because Jesus was with me. We have the Holy Spirit, who is the exact same as Jesus. So there should be nothing that we cannot face. Um, after this happened, we, we'd been having a few little problems. Now, don't worry, Emily, this isn't all bad, this story. But we've been having a few little problems in the church. You know the way you get. I'm sure, again, this never happens in this, this church whatsoever. I know by looking at you, there's no way anybody would like us. But we started to have that people that sat together all their lives over here started to sit over here and over here. And, and we started to notice that um, this one wasn't talking to that one. And there was maybe this one, you know, 
didn't let their children play with this. And it was beginning to just little small things were creeping in. In our leadership team, there was some little things were happening. And I really felt that God said to me, you need to sort this out now because the Holy Spirit really wanted to move. But I believe that the Holy Spirit can't move in a church properly when there's division. So I, I um, got up one Sunday and I said, right, today I'm going to preach on Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I says, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to wash my elders and leaders' feet. And I says, and when I do this, I'm going to give them the opportunity to tell me as a leader anything I have done on them that has caused them harm, caused them problem, or even caused them difficulties in their walk with the Lord. And it says, but then after that, I'm going to tell them as a leader, if they have done anything in the church to cause problems for me or for the church, and after that, I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to pray with them. And we are going to, I'm going to walk away from every single person united with them. And we're going to move forward. So no matter what is said, they can say anything they want to me. And I'm going to say anything I want to them. But we're going to be honest. And we're going to get this all out in the open. And we're going to sort this out today. And, um, and it's not something you really do in a UK church. But we, we did it in Cambodia. And I challenged the church that as we were doing this, that every single person would examine their heart and that nobody would leave the church that morning without sorting out their problems. Now, I've been in churches many times and I've heard the pastor say as we come to communion, before we take communion this morning, really want you to examine your heart. If you've got a problem, get and go, go up and speak to your brother or sister and sort it out. And very, very rarely anybody's going to get out of their seat because every, the whole spotlight comes onto them. But I challenged the church to consider this. So anyway, I went and I did this. There was a few things said to me, nothing too bad. There was a few things I said to people, nothing too bad. But we got it all out in the open and we got it sorted. When I turned around to see what was happening, what had actually happened was the Holy Spirit had started to move through people's lives. I couldn't believe it. People were crying with each other. They were praying with each other. They were hugging each other. There was something happened in church that morning that brought a unity in our church that I have never witnessed anywhere in any of my experience. This went on until Wednesday. They started to go home to their families and say sorry to their parents for things that they'd done wrong. They, they went to people that had left our church because of problems and sorted the things out. Um, and Be Free in the, the Monday morning, the girls in Be Free were praying for this staff in the early learning center. And that was happening the other way. And all of a sudden, this beautiful unity appeared in the church. Um, the following Sunday, our Kamai pastor, Chim Nap, who has... Is a wonderful guy. He's a fantastic speaker, fantastic communicator, but he also has a favor in the government and he's well thought of and he's an amazing guy. He has polio, so he's disabled as well. But the point is, is that in Cambodia, if you have a disability, you're shunned. You're the lowest of the low, but he actually can go and sit and talk to the prime minister. He's known by everybody. He's, he's a phenomenal guy, but he had chose a few years ago not to start to work for the church, to carry on where he was. And 
I thought at the time it was the wrong decision. I really believed at that time we were ready for him to come on board. Over the last two years, he's regretted that decision to the point where this Sunday after this had happened, he came up to the front of the church and said to me, I need to speak to the church. And I said, okay, go ahead. So he went up onto the platform and he went to speak. And in Cambodia, you don't show emotion if you're a man. In public, you just don't do it. And he just burst into tears. So I went up and I put my arm around him and I said to the church, everybody just stand up and pray for um, Pastor Chimna. So they did that. And he finally was able to, to talk, and he said to the church, I'm so sorry. For the last two years, he says, I have nearly been in the wilderness. I, I, I have let you all down because I put myself and my family before God. He says, and it's only really hit me this last number of weeks how much um, I, I, I turned my back on God by, by deciding not to work for the church. And he said, um, that please forgive me. Now, I knew every single person in the church had been helped by him in the last two years. So where he had said we hadn't got his best, we probably got about 75% of his best. And 75% of Chimnav's best is most, uh, is better than most people's 100%. So, so he hadn't turned his back on God or church, but he just hadn't been 100% in. So he made a commitment to the church that morning that, that that was going to change. And I have seen a completely new person in the last um, months since, since this, this, this all happened. So the point I'm trying to get to in all of this is, is that when we started to actually realize who the Holy Spirit was within our church, and once we actually sorted out all the nonsense and allowed the Holy Spirit to really be part of our church and our family and everything else, we've started to see amazing things happen. Um, there's, a, there's a young guy who's a tuk-tuk driver for us um, called Dren. He's the most amazing young guy. Everybody needs a Dren. I say that to everybody that comes to Cambodia, as soon as they get off the plane, this is Dren, everybody needs a Dren. By the end of the, the trip, everybody says back to me, everybody needs a Dren. He's the most amazing young man, but he's uneducated. He grew up at three years of age. He was made to go out with a cart, which is, he's got really broad shoulders. So he had made to go out with a cart on his shoulders because um, they needed him to collect plastic so that the family would have money. So Duran did this all his life. He never went to school. So because of that, he's completely convinced that God could never, ever, 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 ever use him in any way within the church. He's the most community-based pastor I've ever seen in all my life. He is phenomenal. He speaks to people that I could never speak to. He puts his, his heart and his soul into relationships with people. He's just fantastic. But he couldn't see this. He couldn't see this himself because he's uneducated. But when he started to grasp and realize that it's nothing to do with him, it's the Holy Spirit um, that makes the things happen. And whenever he started to realize that if he allowed God to move in his life, that anything can happen. Um, and after this Holy Spirit encounter that we had on the Sunday, Dren went from being somebody who couldn't read any more than three or four verses in the Bible without either getting a sore head or not understanding it, to someone who, who read Revelations chapter 1 to chapter 22 in the one day and then hit me with questions that made me want to run for cover. I was going, seriously, don't read Revelations. Go and read something that I can talk to you about. So, so he, since then, in the space of seven weeks, 
Drain's life has pretty much been, he has preached twice in our men's meeting and absolutely knocked it out of the park, as you would say. He was so amazingly anointed in those two meetings. He went and prayed for his father. He led his father with his wife to the Lord, a man who had pretty much told Drain that he was nothing all his life. His father was an alcoholic. Drain's about this height. His father's about this height. And never, he's just this little small man who was always really, really full of hatred and, and just absolutely despised Drain and treated him like rubbish. And Drain has walked about with this hanging over him all his life. Drain and his wife went uh, three months ago. Um, he, Drain was told that his father um, would, would only have three months to live, that his liver was so bad. Three months to live, and he would never walk again. So Drain went to see him. Chantal's wife led him to the Lord. Uh, we as elders went out and prayed for him, um, encouraged him, um, and, and then left Drain and his wife there for, for a week or so. So then when we came here, I got a message to say that Drain's father has drifted into unconsciousness and that Drain has gone to be with his father and the doctor has said if he, it, he maybe has two days left. So Chamnapat said, please pray for them and we're doing the funeral so we, we have, we're going to do a Christian funeral so we don't even know how to do that in Cambodia because it's slightly different than over here. So they were getting all ready. Next message I got was as Drain went with, uh, went, sat down with his father, laid hands on his father, prayed for his father. His father sat up, got out of bed, walked down into the, the village and said, Jesus was going to take me, but he's changed his mind because he wants you to know about Jesus. And he started to tell everybody about Jesus. And Chimnab's going, it's a total miracle. He says, we're totally amazed. And this is Dren, who seven or eight weeks before was still saying, God could never use me. I've got no education. And now he's preaching. He's laying his hands on people. And God's using them um, through, through healing and other things. And we're just... So I, I'm really excited about going back at the minute. It was great for me because we weren't there when this happened. And so many times when I'm mentoring the young leaders, they always... Even though we are really, really, really over-exaggerate the fact that it's nothing to do with us, it's always God... They still, because the white person's there, they still think that, you know, we, we sort of are a little bit more holy or whatever than, than they are. So the fact that this happened when we were in the UK, nobody can turn around and say, well, you were there, because it's nothing to do with me, as you know. So, so the, actually, in that one moment, the amount, uh, probably 10 years of me mentoring them wouldn't have equaled what actually happened in that one moment from what they'll have learned from that situation. So I'm so excited about going back. But what I wanted to encourage or, or, or to say to you today was is that um, how bold are you where you are uh, here in Guernsey or in your situation in your life? It's wonderful that Emily's um, going to fly across the world, but actually, you know, we're all given the same Great Commission um, we're all given the same great commission to go into our world and make disciples. And, and, and what I want to encourage you today is, 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 how are you doing with that? 
before we went on the mission field, I wasn't very good at it, to be honest with you, at all. And I'm not standing here trying to go, oh, we're missionaries, what about you? That's not what this is about. What I'm trying to say to you is there's people in your life that need Jesus. And how are you with that? Do you realize, are you like me? Did you not really grasp that the Holy Spirit is with you and is equal to, to Jesus and to God? Um, are you timid? Or are you shy? Do you, are you scared of what would happen? Um, because this morning I really believe, I woke up this morning and the word that God just had on my head was bold, boldness, bold, we've got to be bold. Um, I looked up bold in the dictionary and I probably knew what it meant, but it says showing a willingness to take risks. I think that's magnificent. Showing a willingness to take risks. Confident and courageous. Three words, well, confident and courageous anyway, are not two things that I ever was. I, I don't mind standing with a microphone and talking all day long. That's not an issue for me. But there's stuff that I lack confidence in a lot. Um, courageous, I don't think I've ever been in a fight in my life. And if I was, I think I'd run a mile. Um, I used to say to the, anybody, we used to go to take teams to Uganda. And I used to say to the guys in, in the, the team before we went, don't be worrying about the big animals, the lions or the tigers or the whatever there is. The only thing you need to worry about is, is that you can run faster than one other person in the team. So as long as you can run faster than one other person in the team, you're going to be okay. Um, so, so I was never courageous. I just made sure that I could just run faster a little bit than anybody, than, than another person in the team. But there is ways to be bold in our daily lives. There is ways to be bold. And when we really understand that the Holy Spirit is that part of our lives, and when we make the Holy Spirit part of our lives, because we've got to invite the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives in that way. But when we do, and we have that boldness, there's lots of things we can do. We can tell people in our communities about Jesus without fear and worry of what they think, because really, bottom line, it doesn't really matter what they think about you. We have went through... A couple of situations in Cambodia where we've had, at one stage we had nearly every expat, every foreigner in the, in the city didn't want to talk to Esther and me because they thought we had done or said something which we hadn't. Now one by one they realized that we actually hadn't had anything to do with the situation and one by one they came back to us and asked us to forgive them for, for being the way they had and we did because we knew that we were being in a way tested through this situation and we were just having to really cling to God but when people turn against you or when people don't speak to you most of the time they'll, they'll, they'll have a realisation they'll come back or even they'll, they'll be led they'll be led in a way to Jesus and, 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 and you, you may think that's ridiculous but it can happen by by you being that person in their lives eventually there'll come a time where they will have a realization of jesus um, there's also going like what emily is doing um, which is um leaving her comfort zone and going to somewhere far side of the world and she's bound to be nervous esther and i were nervous when we first went to cambodia we've been told lots of things 
But really, till you're there, you don't completely understand. So she was nervous, or she, she will be nervous, um, but I promise you that she'll, she'll, she'll be okay and there's nothing to worry about. But even as well, we need to be bold and please understand this is not... not a, I'm a missionary. I'm bound to talk about money. There's no way I can't talk about money. But but there, there's, we gotta be, we gotta be bold in the way that we give, whether that's financially or our time or whatever else. We need to be bold in that, and the Holy Spirit will enable us to to do that. But I'm telling you, and I'm being honest with you, I have found that when people give financially to a missional thing or to missions. The things that, the blessings we have seen through, through individuals, for individuals, or through churches that are missionally minded in their giving is absolutely miles different to churches that are not. Now, you are a missional giving church, so I'm not knocking you in that in any shape or form. I wouldn't dare. <laughs> but, but at the same time, what I'm trying to say is, is that it is absolutely mind-blowing when you see the difference between a church that is, is, is missional giving and a church that doesn't give the missions. Missions is a massive thing and an important thing to, to, to Jesus. Let me just read you very quickly, and I am coming to a close, I promise you. But um, This is another scripture that I love. Um, it's Matthew 25, 31 to 46. And you might think that sometimes by, by, by giving money to something or, or being part of something or praying for something or giving time to something that you're not really making much difference. Because you see, here's the thing. Esther and I may be in Cambodia and we may be the missionaries that are, are the, sort of fronting it up in Cambodia for Elam. But we're all Elam. And we're the, we, I believe, as I've said earlier, we're the fortunate ones. We've got the best job of everybody. But here's the thing. We're all part of the same body. And Christ is still the head of that body. And we may be the hands or the feet of that body by going and doing. But we're not the heartbeat. And the heartbeat needs to come from those that are praying for us and those that are giving and those that are supporting. And without those people giving and supporting boldly in ways that maybe they haven't done before. Um, but with a boldness doing that, we see things happen at our end which weren't we, that we're not capable to do without that boldness coming from people that are in Elam and are still part of the church and are part of the body, serving their purpose to make it possible for us to do what we're doing, if that makes sense. Let me just read this very quickly. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Um, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I'm just going to leave it there. You can go on and read what happens if you don't do it if you want to. But, but um, I just think it's really important to, just for you to realize the importance that you play as much as the importance that we play and that we're all in this together and we're Elam and I just love the fact that we're Elam. I'm Elam through and through. If you cut me little letters, E-L-I-M will come out of my veins. It's truth. I'm Elam through and through and I am a big, big, big fan of us being loyal to what we are, to, to our roots because we are, we're, we're, we're Elam. And we're, we're Elam missionaries and we are honoured to serve God and we're honoured to serve you in what we're doing in Cambodia. But we're also honoured that you play a part in what we're doing in Cambodia. And without you, we can't be as effective. Yes, God provides everything, but he needs to use you to be bold to help us to do what we do. So I want to encourage you this morning. We all have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We all have the Holy Spirit that will enable us to speak to our brothers and sisters and our families and our friends and tell them about Jesus because that's the most important thing of all is telling people about Jesus. But we also have the Holy Spirit that enables us to, to be bold in the, the time that we give um, to, to, to people like Emily who are willing to, to actually go and also for us to use the finances that God gives us um, in a way that will really, really help build his kingdom. Um, I'm not going to read it, but if you go to Matthew um, 6, and, and you'll all know this, but if you go to Matthew 6 when you go home and read from verse 25 down, you'll see that you have absolutely nothing to worry about. And when you give to God or when you step out of your comfort zone and you trust God in areas that you maybe haven't done before or in a way that you haven't done before, you will find and read that you don't need to be anxious about anything. The amount of times that Esther and I have been sitting in Cambodia and we've had absolutely nothing left financially because when somebody comes to your house and just before we came away from Cambodia, two days before we came, knock on the door, Sakim, the manager of Be Free, you'll hear her story tonight. You've got to come and hear her story tonight. Sakim um, brings this young girl to us and says, this is a young girl that had started to come to our church. But we didn't know her story. We didn't know anything about her. And so Kim brought her in and sat her down and started to tell us her story. And this young girl had been abused from an early, early age and really, really terrible, terrible life. And she hadn't ate food for three days. Her little baby hadn't had food for two days. And so Kim, she'd finally cried out to Kim, but she was trying not to cry out to anybody. She cried out to Sakim and Sakim brought her to us. And Esther and I had a few pounds to come back. Look, we knew as soon as we came back to, to, to the UK, people would spoil us, they would feed us, they would give us cars, they would be so kind to us. They would love us and we appreciate that. We really do. So whenever this girl came, it didn't even enter 
our brains or go close to entering our brains that, oh, we can't help her because I want to make sure I get a fish supper as soon as I get off the plane into the UK. Boy, I wanted a fish supper. <laughs> but, but that's not the way it works for us in any shape or form. If somebody comes and they need and we can give, we give. But here's the beauty of it. As soon as we give, God replenishes. God gives it back. God gives it back in a bigger and better way than you could ever imagine. And we have seen things happen in the last four and a half weeks that will really help us move forward in the work in Cambodia. And I have no doubt about it that it's because those in Cambodia and those that are supporting us in Cambodia have hearts that are hearts that are bold in the way that they give. I'm going to finish, but I do have just a couple of things very quickly I want to encourage you this morning to possibly be part of. First of all, I'll start off with the free things. We have a few prayer cards. We don't have a whole lot. I'm sorry about that, but we do have prayer cards. If you can take one of these, put it on your fridge and pray for the work in Cambodia and pray for us as a couple, please, please do. Um, I talk about, I've talked a bit about money there and I'll talk a bit about money in a second. But I still rate prayer above money every single day of the week. So please, if you're sitting here today and you've got no money, you're in a position where things are really desperately hard for you, First of all, we're praying for you. But second of all, please, you can pray. There's not a person in here that's a Christian that can't pray. Please pray for the work. I know a lot of you do, and we really appreciate it. Um, there is a few other things. For, I, I know that I know that um, that you, that the church at times, or there's people in the church that that support children through Compassion. That's brilliant. Compassion, a wonderful organisation. Um, and we, we really bless that and we're, we're, we're for that. If anybody doesn't already sponsor a child with compassion and is interested, we have children that come to the Early Learning Centre. Now, you will hear more about the Early Learning Centre tonight, but we have 65 children. This is a little boy called David. He was named after me. Bless the poor child. Um, that's hopefully where the, the... Esther would say that's hopefully where all the likeness will, will, will end. But... Um, it's £20 a month to sponsor a child. A child comes to the Early Learning Centre Monday to Friday. They get three meals. They get educated um, from an early age. They come from three months to the age of five. They get um, three meals a day. A lot of these children that we're, we're getting sponsored come from slum villages. They have no opportunity, like Drain, of, a, of an education. This is an early education. They get taught English and Khmer. They get taught about Jesus um, it opens so many doors with the families. But the other thing it does is it prevents the child being sold. Um, and this sounds really, really ridiculous, but families, when they have no money, the only option they have is, is the only commodity they have that's worth any money is their child. And they will sell their child for 600 500 $400. And that child will be abused or used in horrendous situations. And it happens all the time. But by, by a child coming and getting an education, even at an early age, all of a sudden the family starts to see value in the child. They won't be able to sell them for any more money. 
So that's not the type of value. But they then start to think, well, actually, if they're educated, they can get a job. And if they get a job, they'll be worth more to us. So, so, they're actually, so it's actually preemptive of trafficking as well. So, so by, by sponsoring a child, you're actually giving a child more than just an education. You're giving them the hope of not being trafficked and everything else that goes with, goes with that. Um, so that's £20 a month. The other thing that um, we're having problems with, and I'm going to be really honest with you th- this morning, is, is that we need to, the, the Be Free program that Esther runs in Cambodia, Be Free Cambodia, um, it, it needs a, it's a budget of £30,000 a year. Um, and it's actually probably gone up to about 36000 since Brexit. But... Um, that's just part of life. It's one of those things as a missionary. You just got to, um, every time we, the last few weeks, anybody has seen us and said to us, so what do you think about being out of Europe? And I just go, I have no idea how it affects anybody and anything other than the fact that the dollar is killing us as missionaries. And I think the whole missionary world went into a panic whenever it happened. Um, but anyway, um, we're trying to get 12 12, now this isn't, please, this is not aimed necessarily at John, um, but we're trying to get 12 churches to give £250 a month, or it doesn't have to be a church, it can be a business person. I don't know, I'm, I'm speaking to the church, I don't know if you've got any business people here or not, but, but you may know someone who is a businessman that would want to, be, or would be able to give £250 a month. Um, if we can get 12 people we can cover the program and we don't need to every single year come back all stressed and try to raise money and raise money and raise money. Um, we're sitting at nine at the minute. We've worked really, really hard over the last number of weeks and we've got nine people or churches, some people, some churches, that have um, signed up to, to give £250 a month. Now, I know £250 is a lot of money. Um, it can be... Um, two churches can do it between them, £125 each. Um, as we're only talking to one church, I'm guessing that doesn't really apply. But also, we do have forms at the back that you can do it on a, um, an individual basis as much as you can. If you want to be part of that, there's forms at the back that you can sign up and give money to um, in whatever way. But what I would encourage you to do is, if you do want to do that, or the child sponsorship as well, please, can you sign the form or fill the form in today and give us the form back today. Um, this is not aimed at this church in any shape or form, but two years ago, Esther and I went, spent 11 weeks going around trying to raise funds to run Be Free. 112 or 115 or something, I can't remember exactly, forms were taken to fill in direct debits and send them back. Not in this church, by the way. It was, it was, it was loads and loads of churches. Um, out of that 115, we got five forms back. We spent 11 weeks really, really working hard at trying to show people the difference they could make, and only five forms came back out of 115. So now we try to get people, um, if they are interested, to actually fill the forms in, and then we can send them back to headquarters. So that's just the thing. Um, the final thing is, and all those other things, they're big. I understand, and there's, you, you may not be in a position to do this. But this final thing, and I know you've heard about this already, but I really want to 
I really want to try to encourage you to think about this today. Um, I'll, I'll go better than that. Esther and I are going to fill one of these in each um, because I believe, whether we're missionaries or not missionaries or whatever, I believe in Elam missions so much that I want to be part of this. This pound-by-pound pound thing that you've heard possibly before, it's a pound a week, so it's four pounds a month. Now, it means that each of us has to do without a fish supper or without, um, without I don't know what you like, but, but without one thing possibly a month, and you can do this. But I want to tell you as a missionary the difference that this pound-by-pound pound makes. Um, last year, Esther's father was very, very sick. Um, he was, they, they reckoned he, was, he, was, he had only had months to live. And we were stuck on the mission field. We couldn't get back. We had no money to get flights. But because Elam Missions has pound by pound and other things, um, but mainly pound by pound, um, they were able to get Esther a flight back home so she could spend some time with her daddy. Now, the chances were that her daddy was going to die. turns out that God had different plans and praise the Lord, he's alive and well today. But at that point... She thought she was coming home to say goodbye to her dad. She, she was in pieces in Cambodia. But because of pound by pound, because of people giving, Elam missions were able to help her come back. It's not just for crises like that. There's also lots of different um, things happening throughout the world that just this pound by pound is um, helping with. Um, there's 67,000 people that are members of Elam. Imagine if every single member gave one pound a week. How much money that would be towards Elam International Missions. Elam International Missions is not centrally funded. This is, this is basically a way that we can all be part of it. And I'm serious. You can watch me at the back. I'm going to fill this in for me and for Esther today because we are Elam and we're part of this. But I want to encourage you out of, well, discourage you first of all. Out of 67,000 people, um, this has been pushed now for a year and a half around the churches. Do you know how many people out of 67,000 people have signed up for pound by pound? Is anybody, can we just, just three guesses. Three guesses. Anybody? That's, uh, there's a few more than, there's a few more than 30. Um, but, Okay, I'll just tell you. There's 800 people out of 67,000 have signed up for pound by pound. And this is, as I say at the start, Elam's in my blood. Elam is what I am. Elam's what we are. These are this is our missions. And really, we as missionaries, thank you for being so much behind us in so many different ways. For giving us Emily. Um, we really are blessed and we're blessed for the work that you came and did in the, the playground two years ago and all those things that you have done. But we're Elam missions. Uh, we may be missionaries, but we're just normal people from Elam. And, and I think really as many of us should be trying to sign up for this today as, as is possible. It's only a pound a week. It's actually, it's not even a pound a week. It's 48 pounds a month, or, or sorry, 48 pounds a year, sorry, for anybody that's just collapsed in a heap. It's 48 pounds a year. It's not even 52 pounds. 48 pounds a year, but I'm telling you, if you get behind this, missions in Elam throughout the world will be changed forever.
because we're all being part of what we need to do. Sorry, I know I've talked a lot about money. I've gone well over my time, and, and I want you to get home for the tennis. So I'm going to hand back um, to, 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 to John and Nicola. To, I think we could just stand. I think, would you pray for boldness? I think it'd be cool if you just let's just stand, shall we? We just do that time. Thank you so much. Lord, we just thank you this morning that we can stand together, Lord, and and, and we are nothing without you. We're nothing without the the move of the Spirit in our lives, Holy Spirit. I just I, I just ask you now, please, just come and 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 give us a deeper understanding of, of, of who you are. Give us a deeper relationship with you. We want to live our lives on the edge for you. We want to be bold in every area of our lives. We want to be bold in the way that we talk to people. We want to be bold in the way that we, that we, that we walk and the things that we, that, that we think and we do, Lord. And we also want to be bold in the way that we give of our time and of our money and our resources. I just pray right now that you just really, really draw close to us. That as we leave this morning, that we realize that we don't leave you here, but you're with us in every area of our lives at every moment of our lives. I pray that you, just, you, you not only do this in every brother and sister here, but that you do it in my life too. I pray that we all have a deeper deeper encounter with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelan.co.uk.